Bill Barnwell, it feels like things are happening that are definitely not normal. Mm -hmm. There's a hurricane in Southern California. Hmm. Aaron Rodgers is a New York jet. Sometimes it's weird to say that. (laughs) And there's something, though, we can count on, Bill. It's your annual list of NFL teams who will improve or decline in the upcoming season. Mm -hmm. So I got to ask, is there anything abnormal about your columns that we need to know? Like, did you write it in iambic pentameter this year or something (laughs) like that? I wish I wish I had the ability to pull that off. Like I went and saw Drunk Shakespeare mm. and the idea of doing Shakespeare at all, let alone drunk, yeah, seems particularly difficult to me. I'm trying to think, was there anything unique? Oh, normally it is a five-team column. I pick five teams who are likely to improve and five who are likely to decline. This year I chickened out and only went with four because the fifth team on the decline side would have had to be like the Chiefs or the Bengals. And I don't want to deal with that. That's just too much annoyance for me. So we went four and four this year instead of five and five. So when you engage in this exercise every year, you're, you're revving up for the season, you're, you're getting back to the gym. <laughs> What's the biggest concern that you have? Trying to avoid the urge to look at my social media for about two weeks after I, I published the article because I know what it's going to be. It's never going to be the teams that I've said are going to improve their fans saying, hey, bully on you, Bill. You're right, smart, good idea. It's always the teams I say are going to decline and how angry the fans are. And then, of course, if I'm correct, which sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not, mysteriously, internet seems to go down in their cities right after the season ends. It's a very strange phenomenon. Las Vegas last year, I had the Raiders as one of the teams most likely to decline, even after adding Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones. Their fans... Very furious at me. And yet, I guess they were just distracted in January. I did not hear from any Raiders fans saying, actually, sir, you were correct. Well, this is a fascinating pattern. I want to dig more (laughs) into it. I I want to go behind the curtain here for a moment because we look at this list that we're about to break down. It's a mix of high performers and seller dwellers and surprise teams from last season. So when you're deciding which teams you are going to highlight on this list, like what goes into that process? Like, Take us behind the scenes of what's going on in your brain. Okay, there's a big spreadsheet, as you probably expect, mm. with about 25 years of data now, and all these different little quirks and little things I want to test, like, you know, uh, which team had the most rest, had a rest advantage versus their opponents, or which team traveled the furthest, does that matter? Which team had the most leads at halftime that they blew? Which teams were best in the red zone? Which team faced a backup quarterback most often in the given season? We're looking at all that, and then we're testing it. We're building a model based off that data to figure out which of that information is valuable and which of it is not. And that leads to a bunch of teams. Usually there's about 10 or 12 candidates. And then I just want to get a mix in there. It's no fun to say the worst teams in football are going to improve because typically that is what happens. I want to have reasons for why those teams are going to improve. And then on the other side, you want to have a mix of teams who are going to decline for different reasons. Maybe you want that Super Bowl team that nobody's thinking about taking a step backwards and why. Maybe you want that team that's on the come up, that the bandwagon is packed full with fans and why they're not going to take that next step forward. And then maybe you want to pick on a team that stinks and just want to say, yeah, they're actually going to be bad again this upcoming season. It's always nice to take a team that everyone expects to be bad and say, actually, they're worse than anyone thinks. But this year, not really the case. We typically went with some more more positive teams this year, some teams who were in the playoffs last year and projected them to decline this upcoming season. Hopefully I'll be right, but either way, I'll be hearing about it. Or you won't. The start of the NFL season is right around the corner. 
fan bases are upbeat, and every team is filled with the anticipation and promise that a new year brings. But who should actually be hopeful? And who should be a little nervous when they check out their schedule? We're glad you asked, because today, Bill Barnwell delivers his annual dissertation on which teams are set to rise and which can expect to fall when all is said and done this NFL season. I'm Emily Kaplan. It's Wednesday, August 23rd. This is ESPN Daily. Delicious meat nutritious. In the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. Okay, Bill, we're about halfway through the preseason and you're about to share your list of the teams that have the best chance of improving this NFL season. I got to get into it because I live in Chicago. So, so many of my friends here are Chicago Bears fans. Mm. Are they going to have an exciting, optimistic season or should I expect a lot more of the same uh, from my friends' moods these next couple months? <laughs> well, Emily, I, I could say at the very least, they will be better because they'll be actively trying to win, which I don't entirely believe was the case last year. The Bears might have been tanking by NFL standards. They traded away veterans like Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn, got off to a 2 and one start, and then won one game over the rest of the season. But what I will say, what leads them to be on the list this year, is that they were better than their bad record would suggest. So even though they were 3-14, and 14, we use a, a concept called the Pythagorean expectation. Bill James took it, applied it to baseball, and then of all people, Daryl Morey, the now Sixers general manager, applied it to the National Football League. That guy's never in the news. I don't know if his usage of Pythagoras to predict football performance is what got James Harden so upset. I'm hoping that's not the case. <laughs> but Daryl Morey did come up with the application of this formula using points scored and points allowed to figure out how many wins you would be expected to have with average luck and average performance in close games. And the Bears, by that model, would have been expected to win 5.2 games last season as opposed to three. doesn't sound like it's that much, but that 2.2 win gap was the largest between their actual performance and their expected performance of any team in the National Football League. And crucially, that gap almost always augurs an improvement by several wins in the year to come. 
That is super exciting news, but I, <laughs> I got to dig in deeper and it's not going to be Pythagorean-like. It's going to be something pretty basic because <laughs> in my time covering the NFL or just being an NFL fan, I know a team goes as their quarterback goes. So sure. what are we expecting from Justin Fields this year? And what have they done to make sure that this player, who's so important to this franchise, is in the best position for success? He's in such a better place than he was this time a year ago. They really had not invested much in the offensive line last year. Their receivers were subpar. Justin Fields was basically running for his life for most of the 2021 and 2022 seasons, frankly. Major changes have been made this offseason. So they go out and use a first-round pick on Darnell Wright, an offensive lineman who will probably play on the right side. They signed Nate Davis, a bruising guard from Tennessee. They had the first overall pick, traded that pick to Carolina, and instead of getting the most draft capital possible, they got a couple first-round picks, but also got a number one receiver in DJ Moore, who has been excellent during his time in Carolina. So now there are exciting pieces to work with in this offense. And in a year where Justin Fields will have to play well to have his fifth-year option picked up for 2025, he's going to have fewer excuses than he would have had the prior two seasons. This is exciting stuff. All right. Let's move over from the Windy City to the Rocky Mountains. Another team I know people are going to be talking about this year a ton, probably an outsized amount, is the Denver Broncos. And that's part because of who's coaching them now, Sean Payton, and who's at quarterback now, Russell Wilson. It is a really interesting team because, of course, so much of the conversation last year was around Russell Wilson and the fact that he was bad. And I would love to tell you I have some metric or some number that reveals that Russell Wilson was actually good. I don't have it. <laughs> he was bad last year by every measure. And the sole hope for the Broncos this year when it comes to improving Russell Wilson is that they replaced Nathaniel Hackett, who was the first coach to be fired for cause before the end of his first season in the NFL since the 1970s is being replaced by Sean Payton, who has been an excellent coach in New Orleans, both with and without Drew Brees. Remember, the Saints were very successful their last couple of years with Teddy Bridgewater or Taysom Hill at quarterback. Can Russell Wilson be as good as those guys? The hope has to be that he can pull that off. The Broncos are not just relying on Payton turning around Wilson, though. They were the most injured team in football last season, by the Football Outsiders metric, adjusted games lost. Just two players, only two players on the entire roster started all 17 games. They went out and invested heavily this offseason in supplemental players for the roster. You sort of see the vision for Sean Payton with this Broncos team. It's going to be rely on a defense that was very good before the final month of the season when they got exhausted and were banged up and played terrible after December 1st rely on the running game to take some of the workload off of Russell Wilson and build his confidence with high percentage play action boot passes to make his life easier. Will it work? Well, they're on my list for the third time in three years for a reason. We know that Sean Payton himself expects an improved coaching performance, but if things don't get better, and especially at quarterback, if we don't see Russell Wilson revive himself, what's going to happen with this team? Whew, it's not going to be pretty. The, the alternatives are all bad. Russell Wilson has a very expensive contract that he signed with the Broncos before last season. And there's not really an easy way out of it. 
at this point. If the Broncos wanted to move on from Russell Wilson after the 2023 season, they would owe $85 million in dead money that has to be accounted for on their salary cap. Even if you split it over two years, that's basically twice what the NFL record is for a team eating dead money on a contract for any player in the history of the National Football League. But you have to imagine that if you're Sean Payton and you had the option to take this job or another job, wait for another year, maybe for the Cowboys job to come up that you've been rumored for for so many years, you wouldn't take this job unless you really felt confident you could fix Russell Wilson. Well, another team that I feel like is always appearing every season with their new soap opera is the Cleveland Browns. This year, they're on your list. I'm not sure how many years they've appeared on it in the past few, but what do we need to know about the Cleveland Browns entering 2023? When has being optimistic about the Browns ever gone wrong? (laughs) Uh, This is a rhetorical question I am not comfortable answering. (laughs) This is a, a situation that nobody enjoys rooting for the Browns unless you're from the Cleveland area. Nobody wants to have to pick the Browns to be good. But the evidence from last year suggests they were a lot better than maybe it seemed publicly. I think a lot of people just didn't pay much attention to the Browns last year. We knew Deshaun Watson, the the quarterback they acquired before the year, was going to be suspended after multiple sexual assault allegations off the field. So that sort of rendered their season irrelevant before it even began. And then Watson played terribly for a Browns team with few postseason hopes after arriving. But you take a look closer. Even though Watson was bad, Jacoby Brissett, a journeyman backup who played for this offense for most of the year, was very good. The offense was extremely effective. The defense struggled last year, but they've moved on from their former defensive coordinator in Joe Woods and hired Jim Schwartz, who is excellent at molding young minds into talented football players in Detroit and Philadelphia. But the team as a whole were 11th in the NFL, in the Football Outsider stat DVOA, which measures play-by-play efficiency. So the Browns were a lot better team than people gave them credit for. And if the defense does improve, which I think it will with Schwartz, and if Deshaun Watson looks more like the player he was before the suspension than the player he was during his abbreviated stint last year, I believe the Browns could actually contend for a division title in a very crowded AFC North. Yeah, so Bill, you write that the Browns have a better shot at winning 12 games than any other team that missed the postseason in 2022. But I want to turn to another team that didn't make the playoffs, and that's the Rams. You know, their story could be one of the most interesting in Hollywood this season, well, especially amid the writer's strike. So after one of the most disappointing follow-up seasons to a Super Bowl in history, why would 2023 be any different? Well, the most important thing in football is just keeping your players on the fields. And that was something that the Rams struggled with last season. Sean McVay's team was the second most injured team in football behind the Broncos. I realize a lot of people kind of stopped paying attention to the, the Rams in, in midseason because they were struggling because a lot of the players they knew, like Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald, Matthew Stafford, got injured. But I think it's worth remembering this team started Baker Mayfield, who had been the worst quarterback in football by QPR on the Panthers, flew him to Los Angeles, had him learn the playbook on the flight over, and with two days notice, had him start a game against the Raiders on national television, and they won. 
Second and ten. Mayfield to the end zone to Jefferson. Is that possible? Touchdown. There is a new leading man in Hollywood. Holy mackerel. <laughs> this is unbelievable. Even if they weren't as injured as the Broncos, the injuries they had were more concentrated and hit the best players on their roster. And so I believe if you're counting on the Rams to improve in 2023, you're counting on the offensive line not to turn to third stringers by the end of the year. You're counting on Stafford and Donald and Cup, those players who played such key roles in helping them win a Super Bowl the prior season, if not staying healthy for all 17 games, at least playing 15 or 16 games. If the Rams can get those guys back, I still believe that Sean McVay, who I think we all thought was maybe the best coach in football after that Super Bowl victory, is still going to be able to coach up those guys and a younger, not as well-known, but still exciting team into contention in the NFC West. Okay, Bill, you've been way too optimistic about all of this. You're creating a bunch of stars. You love these teams. You think the Browns are going to be good. After the break, I want to get you stressed. I'm going to ask you about the teams that you picked to decline in 2023. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you people wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first one or for your fashionista mom who likes to make a statement... Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate with them both. You can shop by price anywhere from 25 bucks and under to, say, 100 bucks and below. You can also sort by category, like fragrance, handbags, and more. Or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything. Or even pre-wrapped gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So, what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th, and it'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash today. That's Macy's.com slash All right, Bill, when it comes to the teams that you anticipate taking a step back in 2023, one of them should not come as a surprise. You've told us on this program multiple times that you have concerns about the Minnesota Vikings. So, like, let's not do malpractice and bury the lead here. What's going on in Minnesota? Oh, boy. A lot of wins that are not necessarily supported by their underlying level of play. So, we would love to believe 
that teams who win a lot of close games in a given season are just great at winning the close games. They know how to win, right? That famous old adage for coaches. But history tells us if you win a disproportionate number of your close games in a given year, you typically take a step backwards and decline the following season. And this is relevant to the Minnesota Vikings, Emily, because they went 9-0 in games decided by seven points or less last season, plus two wins in games decided by eight points. Nobody in the history of the National Football League has gone undefeated in one-score games while winning as many of them as the Vikings did a year ago. The metrics for the Vikings last year were abysmal. By Football Outsiders DVOA stat, which I mentioned in the prior segment, they weren't just overperforming. They weren't just an average team that looked great. They were 26th in the NFL. They were worse than the Broncos, who were a national embarrassment who got their coach fired. That is how bad the metrics believe the Vikings were Oof. last season. The Vikings are run by Quasi Adolfo Mensa, who was one of the analytics folks for the San Francisco 49ers, moved over to the Vikings. They're a very quantitatively inclined organization. And what I'm telling you on this podcast today, they're not unaware of. They're not naive to the reality that they were not as good as their record from a year ago. And so instead of trying to add pieces, the Vikings basically approached this year like they were rebuilding independent of their record. They moved on from veterans who are very well known, like Patrick Peterson, Dalvin Cook, and Adam Thielen. They didn't extend Kirk Cousins, who is now entering the final year of his deal. And so the stakes are high. If the Vikings take the step backwards that the numbers are expecting, Adolfo Mensa, Kevin O'Connell, and that organization are going to get blamed. But if the Vikings defy the odds and defy the numbers and surprise even the analytics nerds who run the front office, well, Cousins might get an extension and my spreadsheet might explode. Well, let's talk about the team that ultimately exploded the Viking season last year. The New York Giants, who knocked them out of the playoffs. Fourth and eight, game on the line. Cousins, Hawkinson, he is not going to get there. And the Giants will take over. Well, most people thought the Giants, no chance to make the playoffs at the beginning of this year. Forget about making the playoffs. They're moving on to the divisional round. I think you could say Big Blue is back. So after that huge and surprising win in the wild card round last year, do you agree, Bill? Is Big Blue back? I'm not as optimistic about the Giants as seemingly everybody on the entire planet of this, which is weird because, Emily, I grew up in New York as a New York Giants fan. Yeah, where's the self-loathing? I, You're just being fair? I'm, I'm, I would like to say I'm being fair. Maybe, maybe it's latent self-loathing and I don't realize it. But I, I don't believe the Giants are as close, perhaps, as people are giving them credit for, for to being a legitimate contender in the NFC. And part of that is looking at how they played last year and who they played. The Giants did win nine games last year and did advance to the postseason, but they really were beating pretty mediocre teams by narrow margins. They only won one game by more than eight points, and that was a blowout of the Colts, who literally hired a head coach from ESPN in midseason, which I love ESPN, would not recommend you do that if you want to be winning football games. And they were down to their second and third string quarterbacks in Sam Ellinger and Nick Foles against teams with a winning record. The Giants were two and seven last season. 
and they'll see those opponents more often this year. ESPN's Football Power Index projects the Giants to face the eighth toughest schedule in all of football. The Giants turned the ball over just 16 times in 17 games last year, which was the second best mark in football behind the Lions. And if you've talked to any coach at any level about football, or really any dad about football, they're going to hammer in turnovers matter, protect the football, don't turn the ball over. And that does help. It's a really useful way to win football games, but it's not typically a sustainable way to keep winning football games year after year. Giants, history tells us, are going to turn the ball over more often in 2023, and that's going to hurt their chances of winning next season. And maybe the defense could pick up the slack, but even last year, the defense was almost bizarre in how it managed to come up playing really well, but only in the situations where it absolutely matters most. So on first and second down, the Giants were the worst defense in football by EPA per play. On third down, they magically, mysteriously improved to being the second best defense in football. They were the fourth worst defense in football by this metric when teams were outside the red zone. But once the Giants let them in the red zone, they knew what they were doing. They were the second best defense in all of football once other teams got inside the red zone. That's not a sustainable way to win. I'm concerned the Giants don't have the pieces on defense and don't necessarily have the ability to turn that switch on again in key moments, and that's going to cost them on the defensive side of the ball as well. Okay, Bill, I'm looking for a big blue-silver lining here. And I know it's preseason, but I really liked what I saw out of the Giants' offense so far. So my question for you is, Can Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, and Darren Waller make up for the defensive shortcomings that you just described? I can't believe you would do this to me on a podcast, Emily. Uh Of course they (laughs) could, but we don't want to live in that world. We want to live in the world where I'm hopefully right, but there's plenty of ways the Giants could sort of break the rules and, and move past the numbers. They were the third youngest team in football last year by snap weighted age. They had replacement-level players in a lot of positions. Frankly, this reminds me a lot of the Bills the first year when Sean McDermott was there. I don't think Brian Dable and company were expecting to make it to the postseason last year. It's sort of an added bonus for them in terms of how they're rebuilding this roster. So I do think the Giants are on the right track. I just think they're not quite as far along the track as maybe they think they are. But certainly, I've been wrong before. Hmm. Well, I know that one of the roadblocks on that track is a team in their division. It's the defending NFC champs, the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, I'm going to ask you to be really pessimistic here because last year they looked like one of the best teams in football for large swaths of the season, specifically before Jalen Hurts got injured. They had a 14-3 and record. You've got causes for concern? Yeah. It is the Eagles not being maybe as good as their record indicated last year. Ooh. So... By any metric you have, they were one of the best teams in football. They were 13-1 and before they lost Jalen Hurts to an injury. And that's hard to do. It's hard to be that good year after year. There's nobody, no team in the NFL, even the Chiefs don't consistently win 14, 15 games a year. And the Eagles, when you look a little bit closer, they were great, but they weren't as great maybe as that record would indicate. The Eagles were 6-1 and just in games decided by seven points or less. They played some of the worst teams in football, like the Cardinals, the Colts, and the Bears, in games that were close deep into the fourth quarter before the Eagles pulled them out, when by all accounts, given how good the Eagles are, they should have been able to dominate those games and win long before the fourth quarter. 
the year's schedule is going to be much tougher in 2023. They project to face the fifth toughest schedule of any team in football this upcoming season. So a little less lucky and a little bit harder competition for the Eagles to work with. Okay, I want to move on to the other team in Pennsylvania, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They had an amazing finish to the end of last season. Is there anything getting in the way of that trajectory or do we see them steadily improving still? Oh, the Steelers, the Steelers, the Steelers. The Steelers were on my list of teams to decline a year ago. And given that the Steelers had been 9-7-1 and one the prior season and were 2-6 and six as they entered their bye, I felt pretty good. And then? <laughs> and then the Mike Tomlinness of it all started kicking in. The Steelers started winning. They started winning games handily. They went 7-2 and two down the stretch. And so, yes, I did correctly predict the Steelers to decline from 9-7-1, and one, but it was to 9-8. and eight. That doesn't really feel like a victory. And it's a testament, of course, to how talented their roster is, but also a trick they pulled off in the second half of the season. They stopped turning the football over. And I mentioned this in the Giants part of, of, this, of this conversation, where, yes, not turning the ball over is a great recipe to win games. And maybe if you have a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers or a Ben Roethlisberger earlier in his career, maybe you can count on your offense to just protect the football. But it's just tough for me to believe that an offense with those qualifications that's still a work in progress, that's still growing, is actually going to protect the ball like they're the Drew Brees era Saints. It hmm. just doesn't seem likely in Pittsburgh. All right, Phil. As always, we're praying for your mentions. I'm curious, out of this entire list and everything you just told us, which fan base do you think you irritated the most? Giants, strangely, which 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 is so weird because again they're like, oh, you don't watch the Giants, you don't, you're just a Giants hater, and I'm like, I'm literally the opposite. But I sh I should point out we've done this column for six years now, Emily, and combining the teams likely to improve and likely to decline side, they've gone in the direction I've expected 48 times out of 60 tries, so about 80 percent, I believe, almost exactly 80 percent from doing the math in my head. So. 80% that leaves one or two teams here that I'll get wrong. So I'm sure I will hear about it from those teams and their fans after the season is over. Well, I hope for your sake, they've all listened to the end of this podcast because you heard it here first. Bill Barnwell, he doesn't want to hate the Giants. He wants to love them. He just hates them. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that for me, Emily. I'm sure that will help the throngs of people of my mentions being angry at me. Just here to suppress the throngs. I'm Emily Kaplan. This has been ESPN Daily. I'll talk to you tomorrow.